it organically, really like spontaneously. It's not just going in there and making a noise, folks. <laughs> the Classic Rock Files with Kelly Parker and Mike Young. Hi, Mike. Hi, Kelly. You know what? It's not your granddaddy's uh, space program anymore, or even your dad's, I guess. This is very cool. Did you happen to watch this space uh, launch over the weekend, SpaceX Dragon? I did, and I don't happen to ever really care too much about that kind of thing. Um, I like to see firsts. So it was cool that this is the first time a private company has ever launched a manned shuttle yeah. into space. And the fact that you could watch this and there's, I mean, it's far more technically advanced in terms of what you can watch now than it was when they were sending manned missions into space as in NASA. Yeah. Um, so it was cool to see all the different camera angles and tracking the speed and the, the, the kind of commentator telling like when the shuttle got into these certain areas and why they were decelerating, et cetera, and then seeing this thing go 7,000 kilometers an hour. Like, yeah. that's crazy, and it's so cool uh, that that happens. So just fun to see that this is happening and science is doing this cool thing and sending people into outer space. It's still cool after all these years. Absolutely you know, the 60s, it is. You know? uh, I actually got a chance to see a space shuttle launch back in 2001, and that commentary you're talking about, I didn't realize it until I was actually there. The commentary that you were hearing goes out on loudspeakers all over at Cape Canaveral, which is a huge, huge complex, but you can hear all that if you're just there observing. It's very cool. It's nice. So, it puts it in context as to what's actually going on up there. It's not just shoot this thing into the sky and Nothing is done, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, they had a cool soundtrack going. Um, Bob and Doug, the two astronauts, apparently on the way to the capsule, on the way to the pad, they blasted ACDC's Back in Black. And then the following morning, they were awakened with Sabbath. Planet Caravan of all songs. You know, obviously these guys probably pre-selected their music. I guess NASA has a tendency to wake the astronauts up with music each day? NASA usually surprises them. Yeah, so, so. do you think these guys, th this was a NASA pick, or oh, they, ha they put their own playlist out there? I like to think, uh, given this Bob and Doug, and they have cool, funny names, especially for Canadians, uh, I like to think that they picked this. They really missed an opportunity, though, to have Bob and Doug McKenzie's take off as their launch song. <laughs> <laughs> For sure, yeah. But of course, the back in black was the return to the dark, the blackness of space. I feel like because of that being played on the way to the pad, that maybe that was their choice. Because these guys are going to do something that's extremely dangerous still. And if you're not into ACDC, or if ACDC, if that song puts you on edge or something, you don't want to be hearing that. So I, I think maybe that one they chose. But maybe the Sabbath was the NASA choice the next day. That would be my speculation, Mike. Either way, good people working on the playlist over there. I, I commend them. I dig it. Alex Lifeson has been talking about whether he may or may not return to performing with Getty Lee, and he says that he lost the motivation to play completely following Neil Peart's death in January. And this is one of those things. We, we remember Rush, of course, retired in 2015 after their 40th anniversary tour. Uh, that tour was billed as their last because obviously there were behind-the-scenes knowledge of yeah. Neil's illness. Never and... officially billed as their last, though, so they always left that door a crack open. Well, I mean, the documentary, but we all knew. the documentary that was produced alongside it, yeah. by all inclination, this was their last. Left little doubt. Um, but it's funny that the way Alex is speaking in this interview with WFAN, he says that I miss performing in its essence, especially when you're really in, in really good shape, you've rehearsed, you know everything, it's effortless. I do miss that aspect of it, but I don't miss the touring. The only thing of touring that I miss is not playing golf every day in a different fantastic golf club. But the rest <laughs> of it, sitting in a hotel, being away from my family, being away from friends, it's a price you pay. And in the whole scope of things, it's not that great a price for the return. He says it's been almost five years since the last tour. I can't say that I really miss it at this point. Maybe a year or two after we stopped, I probably missed it more. 
but I've settled into it now, and I quite like my life and what I'm doing. I keep active in music, and I'm so in love with golf during the summer, and I'm close to my family. It's a very good balance for me. That's the words of someone who was probably ready to retire, but needed to have that push. And the push, in this case, was Neil's decision Mm -hmm. that this was going to be the end. Because, yeah, it takes a year or two to get it out of their system, but if he wasn't ready, he wouldn't have settled into this But Getty, absolutely. Getty was very clear, at least... He had strongly implied, especially in that documentary, that he wasn't ready. He had a very difficult time with it. But Alex also had his physical problems. I think he's got, even though it wasn't preventing him from playing, he was starting to have problems with arthritis in his hands. And so uh, this doesn't surprise me, but it is interesting because he says he played very little guitar since Neil passed in January. And he says, right now, I don't feel inspired or motivated to do it. So he's all about his golf game right now. Yeah, he said, every time I pick up the guitar, I just aimlessly mess around with it and put it down after 10 minutes. Normally, I'd pick up the guitar, play for a couple of hours without even being aware that I'm spending that much time. I think I've seen him appear in the last few years on a couple of features where he does like a solo or something or contributes a part Mm -hmm. to another band's song. Someone's called him up, and I think that's the type of stuff that's going to motivate Alex in the future. Going out with Rush or some form of Rush isn't going to motivate him. Even going out with Getty at this point, it's like I've been there, done that. Sure, he'd love to play with Getty in a situation, you know, maybe a one-off or something. But I think the motivation for Alex is going to be maybe doing stuff with his son in the future or, Mm -hmm. you know having the ability to play with a younger band and jump on top of one of their songs and do some soloing or stuff like that. I think he probably looks at it very much like he looks at the golf. I mean, he's gone from being a professional musician with the responsibilities that that entails now to uh, just being a recreational musician. So he doesn't have the responsibility. He can still play and maybe jump into something like you say. Yeah, and good for him. He had a great, great career, amazing career. It's sad that uh, they had to go out when they did for the reasons that they did yeah. because they were at the peak of their popularity when they let go. And a band like Iron Maiden is the same way. Like As big as they were during their quote-unquote prime, yeah. they're no bigger than they are right now. Like Absolutely. Iron Maiden is at their peak in terms of financial gain and bringing new fans into the... And Rush was the same way. Mm-hmm. Only in the last 15 years, maybe 10, was Rush considered cool. You know, just like nerd media was, Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that. Yep. It's only become cool and accepted recently. So there was so much more room to grow and so much more money on the table for those guys to go out and continue to make great music and get that success that they had, but the mainstream acceptance that they didn't. I've come around to being just fine with them retiring when they did, not only because of the things we've talked about, but I'm sorry. I've always been a fan of Getty, but he could not sing live anymore. He was having real problems singing live. And I don't know whether it was just that he couldn't get into that high register anymore or some of the affectations that he would do because of that. But his his singing style had gone, like I'd gone to the other end of the spectrum there. I, I couldn't really listen to him anymore. So as far as that's concerned, I'm glad they stopped because that wouldn't have gotten any better. I wasn't as worried about it because I, at the concert, was that guy who's singing at the top of his lungs in their own out-of-pitch Getty Lee impression. Oh, yeah, well, I'm I mean, sure everyone around me was enjoying the show. Oh, I'm sure they really appreciated that. <laughs> but yeah. I was having a great time. I, well, I don't care what Getty sounds like. I got the lyrics tonight, Oh boy. Sad news here. Speaking of uh, deaths, uh, Bob Kulik. One of the Kulik brothers, of course, guitarist who recorded and toured with Kiss, Meatloaf, Lou Reed. He has passed at the age of 70. Yeah, his brother Bruce wrote on Facebook, I am heartbroken to to share the news of the passing of my brother Bob. His love of music and his talent as a musician and producer should always be celebrated. I know he's at peace now and with my parents playing his guitar as loud as possible. 
there's no indication of exactly what was going on. I wasn't aware that he was sick, but he was 70 years old, so who knows what happened there. But he actually auditioned for Kiss back in 1972 when they were unknowns, but Ace beat him out for that job. And then he became the studio musician, working with Meatloaf and a bunch of other people. And then Kulik was secretly recruited by Kiss in 1977, already that soon, to perform on the new studio tracks that were included on Kiss Alive 2. And then, of course, he worked with them uh, later on. And then his brother Bruce joined Kiss in 1984. So they were always very connected to Kiss, including starting in 2017, performing on those Kiss cruises. He said it meant a lot to my brother and I, the fact that we pulled it off so well and that it was so well received. That's what Bruce said about their performance. Um, but then they were set to perform again the following year uh, in 2018 on the Kiss Cruise, but they had a contractual dispute. And we actually talked about that here on the Classic Rock Files yep. um, when that happened, and they had to depart from the bill. And then last November, Bob accused his brother of backstabbing in a dispute over merchandise sales and expressed frustration at Bruce's alleged unwillingness to tour and record together. So... I hope that those two were able to resolve those differences between last November and now, because that is not a long period of time. And you, it sucks if brothers, especially yeah. one of them, loses their life and they had an animosity between them where they maybe weren't speaking. That would be pretty bad for Bruce to have to live with that um, the remainder of his year. So I hope they did patch things up. It's funny when these stories come out, you always learn something about the person that you didn't know before. Even if you think, oh, I've read about Bob Kulik. I didn't realize, I'm a big wrestling fan, you know the song, not from wrestling, but they play it at the Jets games all the time. Um, it's it's Motorhead, Lemmy singing uh, the game. It's Triple H's theme right. song, Time to Play the Game. Yeah. Bob Kulik, guitar on that song. Just learned that uh, today when I was reading about his death. So that's pretty cool. I always just assumed it was Motorhead, but mm -hmm. it's actually Lemmy with some members of Motorhead and Bob Kulik does guitar on the track. So yeah. pretty cool. In demand. And speaking of Kiss, Paul Stanley released a rendition of Smokey Robinson's R&B classic, Ooh, baby, baby. Now, they uh, slightly altered the lyrics regarding social distancing and the situation that we're in right now. I'm very impressed with Paul Stanley because the harmonies here and the song selection, because at the best of times, Smokey Robinson, even back in the day, sang in a falsetto. And those aren't easy vocals, but as far as I'm concerned, Paul absolutely nails it. Check this out. And this is with Soul Station. taking our shots at Paul Stanley over the last few years. Whether he can do it on stage with Kiss during that show, clearly he can still sing. Well, not me. I went to Kiss. I said it was great. Sounded great. Then, I was curious before the show because of what people were saying. Did you think that he was singing live? Yeah. I mean, I was, whatever, eighth row. You could tell if you're close enough to see if someone's actually singing the songs. You just mentioned Soul Station. That's Paul Stanley's side project. Yeah. This is the first time you've ever heard music from this group, and it was a group that Paul has been working on for the last few years 
uh, recruiting some great musicians to play along with him to pay tribute to the great soul and Motown songs. And what's cool about it is for people who criticize Paul Stanley's voice, and yes, it probably isn't what it once was, this is a great avenue and a risky avenue for him to, to go into, especially songs of, from Motown, because those are vocal centerpiece songs. And he goes out and he delivers as best he can in an environment which isn't as kind, a Zoom chat, basically, you know, trying to harmonize from different locations in this song, if you check out the video online. And he nails it. It, It's almost like a big F you to everyone who says, I can't sing still. Yeah. You know, look, I took on a song that's very difficult to begin with. I did it in circumstances that aren't the best. I think this will change people's tune on uh, on Paul and whether or not he can still sing. Obviously, when you're wearing the full getup and you're in a live performance concert atmosphere, there's a lot going on. Yeah. You know, you're working in, again, a very difficult situation, not a studio setting where everything is controlled. So, yeah, there's going to be some hiccups here and there. But the fact that he can deliver this shows me that, yeah, Paul's still got the talent. He's still got the chops. And I'm interested to hear more because uh, I love it when artists step outside their comfort yep. zone. And the thing about it, too, is you're talking about uh, Paul playing live with Kiss. He's got all that equipment on, and it's an athletic thing. He's running around for two, two and a half, whatever hours that it is. We know from other artists, especially some of the boy bands that do a lot of the choreography, we, you and I get winded walking across the office here. You know, that Speak is, for yourself. <laughs> that is tough to do. And so him putting this out, it is, again, thumbing your noses to those people. I appreciate that. It's ballsy. And uh, I will give him, if he has some help on stage... I I will give him that because this uh, proves that he's the reason he might be using help on stage is not because he can't sing anymore. I advise you to go listen to this at home. It's called uh, Ooh Baby Baby, Paul Stanley Soul Station. If you search that on YouTube, because there is, a, you know, Paul Stanley's got to make it his own, you know, and it's not just mm-hmm. because of the, the quarantine and the social distancing, but he has to give a Paul Stanley spoken word section in the middle. Oh, God. It's I want to tell you all what I'm thinking. <laughs> when I'm backstage and it's hot. And that is Paul Stanley to a T. So uh, I, I just love it. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Paul Stanley, um, someone who's uh, really crafted their own niche and always should be considered in those great frontman conversations for what he brings to the table, not just vocally, but the unheralded crowd banter between songs makes Paul Stanley just one of a kind. A hundred percent. And not quite the huckster that Gene is, but every bit the smart businessman as well. So... Good on him. That is the Classic Rock Files, 94.3 The Drive Music Director, Mike Young. Thank you. Thank you.